Welcome once again to A Pain in the Glass podcast. This is Bill Shearhart, National Coach with Curling Canada, coming to you from my home in Grand Bend, Ontario, on the ancestral land of the Kettle and Stony Point First Nations. A Pain in the Glass podcast is sponsored by Canada Curling Stone of Kamoka, Ontario. And, and that's what the topic is today. It's curling stones or curling rocks. Well, as you'll learn, there is a difference. But I hope you will stick around to the end of my dissertation about curling rocks, curling stones, to hear a sound clip by Paul Maurice, the coach of the Florida Panthers, who, as hockey fans know, did not win the 2023 Stanley Cup Final versus the victorious Vegas Golden Knights. But the post-game press conference led to a question posed to Coach Maurice about the culture surrounding a team in its quest for performance. His answer was impressive. So this is not a long episode this time. So coaches out there, I hope you will stick around to hear what Coach Marie says about a team becoming greater than the sum of its parts. So let's talk about curling rocks in this episode of a Pain in the Glass podcast. There are more knowledgeable people than me concerning curling rocks, their manufacture, care, and feeding. But I'm going to tell you what I've gleaned from countless conversations with those who have forgotten more about curling stones than I will ever know. I've always been careful, and I know I've succumbed to the vernacular from time to time of referring to curling stones as stones, not rocks. Well, there's a reason for that. Rocks are mineral deposits that occur naturally in our world. A diamond, for example, is really just coal dust until it's been cut to either jewelry or industrial-grade diamond. So, with curling stones, in the natural world, it's granite rock. When it is turned, literally turned, into a curling stone with a particular weight, size, and shape, it becomes exactly that, a curling stone. Now that I have that useless piece of trivia out of the way, let's take a closer look at the only item in our game that really counts, the stone. Granite is found all over the world, but the only granite suitable for the manufacture of curling stones comes from two locations, one just off the coast of Scotland and the other in Wales. Curling stones are pretty tough customers. I have heard stories of curling stones that have broken, but I've not experienced that thus far in my career. There is a rule should that occur during play. Find a rule book to learn what the ruling is for a broken stone. Basically, granite is a mineral composed of three other minerals, feldspar, mica, and quartz. That's why granite has a somewhat mottled appearance. You can see the feldspar, mica, and quartz. The proportions of these three minerals changes, and that's what gives us the various types of granite from blue hone to common alza and others in between. A curling stone comes out of the manufacturing process as a symmetrical object, round from top to bottom view and oval when viewed from the side. The top and bottom are concave to a degree, which creates two circular 
running surfaces, sometimes referred to as running bands, which is the only contact the stone has with the ice. It's the most important characteristic of a curling stone. The other, and I've talked about this before, is the striking band. That's the portion of the circumference of the stone that actually comes into contact with other stones and as such will be lighter in color. Don't discount the importance of that striking band. And I, as I said, I have talked about that and it's especially important in the drag effect. But first, let's deal with that running surface. As a curling stone makes its way down the ice surface, the velocity and rotation applied in conjunction with the current properties of the pebble cause the stone to, well, curl or follow a somewhat curved path. We say that stones track down the ice, and knowledge of the characteristics of the running surface can have a profound effect on how that particular stone does track, which can lead to a made or miss shot that has nothing to do with the actual delivery of the stone from a purely technical perspective. If you miss a shot, you want and should know exactly why the shot was missed. Be accountable. If you delivered the stone with the wrong velocity, the weight, missed the prescribed line of delivery, applied an inappropriate rotation, or just released the stone with the worst release known to mankind, say so. But, Know enough about the stones that you are using to know if it's the stone's running surface characteristics that might have been the culprit. But be right about which it is, or you could fall victim to that technical double-cross, and again, something I've talked about actually recently. Being right involves some basic knowledge of the running surface of not only a curling stone, but the pair of curling stones you will use in a game. It's not difficult, and is actually fun to learn the differences among good running surfaces and those, well, let's say, less desirable. So, let's enter the classroom of Running Surfaces 101. When a stone comes out of manufacture, the running surfaces are between 4 and 5 millimeters in width, although now it seems to be more 6 millimeters, with a distinct inside and outside edge. And... They're rougher than the remainder of the stone, save the striking bands, which, for obvious reasons, roughens up as well. If the running surface was not somewhat rough, it would not be able to grab onto the pebble to make the stone curl. Start to become accustomed to checking the running surfaces of the pair of stones you're likely to use in a game. Become a curling stonologist. No, save the googling, stonologist is not a word. The next time you play, take the two stones chosen or assigned to you and carefully turn them over to rest on the handles. Use the fingertip of one finger and run it around the running surfaces of the two stones, providing answers to the following questions. Number one, are the running surfaces the same width? Number two, do each have a distinct inside and outside edge? Number three, Using the fingernails on thumb and little finger, compare the diameters of the running surfaces. Are they the same? And number four, now look at the two stones in a normal setting, resting on their running surfaces. Do they resemble one another in size, shape, and color? 
Those four questions are very important. Now, if the answers to the questions that I just said are yes, then you're likely, or at least might, have a matching pair of stones, but the only way to know is to actually deliver them. When you do so, you must control three factors, velocity, rotation, and line. Deliver each stone with the same weight, down the same path, with the same number of rotations. If they repeatedly come to rest at the same place and get there along similar trajectories, in other words, if they track the same, you can be reasonably certain that you have a matched pair of stones. To be sure, some athletes obsess about matched stones. Others just want to know that the pair they're using are reasonably matched to the point that if a shot is missed, it's something they did. It wasn't the stone. For most, that's all you need to know. At the highest levels of play, some teams actually relish a mismatched stone and use it to their advantage, especially if the mismatched characteristics is one of curl and not speed. Imagine how much fun it would be to have to follow an opposition stone around a guard to remove it when the stone you are asked to remove got there because it was a cutter, in other words, an abnormal curl. Well, if that's the case, let me know how that goes. My point here is this. Start to be more aware of the characteristics of the running surfaces of the stones you use. It's not difficult. Just do it. Now, to striking bands. They can be different, too. Some are flat. Some are convex. Others are concave. Some are narrow. And some are wide. In my coaching manual, A Pain in the Glass, A Coach's Companion, there's an article about the drag effect. If the striking bands of the two stones that you're using are both wide and flat, then it's likely that the drag effect is quite pronounced. On the other hand, if they are very narrow, or if they're convex or concave, well, the drag effect is going to be negatively affected by that. The contour of the striking bands can also affect the way stones react off one another, which has implications for doubles, runbacks, and raises. I wish I could tell you what the implications will be, but only awareness and experience can do that. But if you don't understand the concept, and now I hope you do, it will always be a mystery. That makes it tough to perform well against a team that understands. Do you have a rock book? Well, maybe I should have said stone book, <laughs> but usually it's rock book. Recreational teams, usually through participant observation and, well, talk around the club lounge, sooner or later learn that certain stones are, well, let's just say different. Start to identify and record those stones and those differences. Do this wherever you play, and before you know it, you have a leg up on at least some of your opposition and that peace of mind that comes with knowing. It's not you. It's the stone. Before I leave you today, I want you to hear a portion of the post-game press conference by Paul Maurice, the coach of the Florida Panthers, who in Game 5 just uh, lost the, the ability to 
extend the series, the Vegas Golden Knights, in their sixth year of operation, were the Stanley Cup champions for 2022-23. You're going to hear the answer to a question uh, about the team. And, and what it meant to play for the Florida Panthers. And I thought Coach Maurice's answer was outstanding. And even though he's talking about a male team and it's about hockey, you can insert team sport where you wish. I think it applies to all teams. And we talk about teams needing to become greater than the sum of its parts. Well, this is as good an explanation of what that phrase means. So this is Paul Maurice, coach, Florida Panthers. We'll now take questions. Front left. Uh, James Donald, FloridaPanthers.com. Coach, we've heard you talk so many times about this whole run about guys getting to keep certain things, games, moments, things like that. Looking at the whole group, obviously, this feels much more like the beginning for a lot of these guys. What do you hope they keep from these last two months or so? what it can be like and I don't mean in terms of winning the Stanley Cup but what a room can be like what a work environment can be like when you find that special special group of guys to describe the relationship I would say they just love each other like truly care about each other and connect with each other and ordinals play through things with each other um remember the feeling it's, it's not the moments necessarily and actually the goals as a matter of fact i don't think that's what it is at all with these guys it was they just care about each other they just loved each other treat each other like so well so respectfully well have fun with it work their butts off every day but it's truly a special year. I, I don't think that I can describe it to you very well. You have to, and I'm more of an observer to all of it than a participant in it. To sit back and watch them, it's been it's been spectacular. It's it's I don't know what the right words are for it, but kind of all the good things in this game actually aren't the game. Right, the, the hockey's great. We love the sport, but the best it can be is in a room like that. It was a brilliant year. I think Coach Maurice was being a little bit modest when he talked about himself as more an observer than a participant. Now, Coach, you create the culture in that room. You're very much a participant but your role is one of providing opportunities for players to reach their goals and dreams and in doing so, lift one another when the goal belongs to everybody on the team and everybody's pulling on the same rope. You really do become greater than the sum of your parts. I'm a big Paul Maurice fan. I guess it kind of shows and I have great respect for, for Bruce Cassidy, the uh, the coach of the Vegas Golden Knights. I thought it was a, 
even though it was a relatively short series, uh, certainly the better team won. And we find that team speed, although something <laughs> that you can't teach, uh, makes a big difference. Thank you very much for joining me today. It was to be a relatively pedestrian uh, episode uh, about curling rocks, uh, but I came across that that soundbite, as I said, and uh, I hope that as coaches out there, uh, we we understand maybe a little bit better the, the role that we play and how we can help make the team greater than the sum of its parts. So until next time, thank you for joining me here behind a pane in the glass. And wherever you are, stay safe. And of course, think only those happy thoughts.